you have to go to the main page and then committees and then special and select committees. And then you have to scroll down to redistricting. And then you have to go to a special new website. Wow. And then you have, really and then you have to go for it. And then I, it's called and then it's called pro- it's called proposed base plans. It doesn't even have the word map in it. Or redistricting. Uh, <laughs> 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 Welcome to Seeing Red the Pod, episode 58, where we always discuss the latest Nebraska issues. I'm Stephanie, and here with me tonight are Melody and April. Hey, ladies. How's it going? April, it's so nice to see you. <gasps> um, Did we just talk to each other like yesterday? What mm-hmm. is this? Bonus um, Yep, it's redistricting. This is important. Yes. You guys, I have to tell you, I have already listened to yesterday's pod. Mm-hmm. with the League of Women Voters, and it was amazing. It was mm-hmm. really good. Good job. Hey, thanks. Thank you. Did you catch, I gave you a shout out at the end. I did. I did. Mary Lee was fantastic too, by the way. Yeah, she was great. Well, we are coming back to again uh, with Pod. So we're doing back-to-back episodes. Last time, yesterday, we talked about the, we brought in the League of Women Voters who gave pragmatic nonpartisan, mm-hmm. nothing but business overview of the process and how to engage. And today we have Senator Adam Morfeld, who's going to talk to us about kind of his point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sits on the committee, the redistricting committee, and then he will be, of course, part of the general body that works um, and ultimately approves the maps. So very exciting. This evening, we have State Senator Adam Morfeld with us to discuss some of the nuances with redistricting and to tell us a little bit about himself. Hey, Adam, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me, Seven. We are so grateful to have you here to talk about redistricting. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Um, So, well, before we get started, this is, first of all, welcome to the pod. This is your first time on the podcast. This is my first time. Sorry, it's my first time. We're happy to have you. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, where did you grow up? What, and then what was your path to senatorhood? Like, just a little, just a little background. And then what does it, what district do you represent geographically in the state? Yep. So I, I grew up in a military family, both my mom and um, father. My mom was born in Omaha. I grew up in Lincoln. My father was born in Lincoln, grew up in Lincoln. And um, they, they met, um, and then my dad joined the Marine Corps. And so I was born on a Naval station in, in Long Beach. And after that made my way back to Nebraska, um, and decided to come down here for undergrad and law school after I'd worked a few, few years full-time at Hy-Vee as a backroom manager. And so kind of took a little bit of a non-traditional route, um, into college and back to Lincoln. But, uh, but yeah, so I got involved in politics in college and, a guy named Heath Mello um, recruited me to be his intern at the Democratic Party, and 
So I started as a field organizer, as an intern, field organizer, legislative page, um, and then started a nonprofit and got involved even more in politics and decided to run for office. So that's kind of the, the long and short of it all. So you would say if people have ambitions to get into politics, especially if they have teenagers, college age people, the path you took, it sounds like you just got in like the Young Democrats, maybe. Was that it? And that is kind of a place where people look for interns to put in prestigious. Yeah. Like, hey, come work for a candidate. Come work for an elected official. Come work, you know. I wasn't even all that involved in politics. And I remember I um, went to a Young Democrats meeting by chance and met people like um, Daniel Conrad, Amanda McGill, um, Heath Mello, people that, well, Amanda McGill and Daniel Conrad were just announcing their elections. This was 20, this is 2005, actually. And so they ran in 2006. And so I met those people at that, at that random event. And then I also met Heath Mello, who was um, recruiting interns at the time. And I said, hey, I've got work experience. I worked full time for a few years. And, and so, um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that was the way that I got involved. And from there, um, I just realized that politics is a rocket science. It's about getting out, working hard, talking to people, and, and um, yeah, just listening to people and working hard. So, And now you are part of redistricting. So what is your yeah. re- role in redistricting? Are you on the committee? Do you serve in the general body? You know, talk us through kind of what your role has been thus far and what your role is going forward. Yeah, so I, I put my name in and I was appointed to the redistricting committee. And um, I guess the, the role that I see myself as in this process is um, I'm a representative of Lancaster County, particularly Lincoln, um, and I'm a Democrat. And so I, I guess I see my role in, is in making sure that we have fair districts, um, particularly in the Lincoln-Lancaster County area, and that they're representative of the values of particularly Lincoln. Um, And then I see my broader role as ensuring that we have fair redistricting for the entire state, um, not just Lancaster County and Lincoln. Um, But obviously, I have a um, unique knowledge of the Lincoln area, and I also see my um, primary role as representing that that area in the redistricting process. So thinking about a fair, fair districts. What does it mean for it to be fair? How would you know if it was fair or not fair? Yeah, so I really look to the guiding document that all of us passed in the legislature. I think it's LR 134 um, is the LR. And that LR states that we should keep districts compact, contiguous, so together. You can't have any loose ends or anything like that. So compact, contiguous, and protecting communities of interest in the core district, the current core district. So, um, you know, obviously with redistricting, um, and, and we have massive population loss um, in certain parts of the state, you have to move a district. So there's no way to maintain the core of a district and, um, you know, make sure it's contiguous and compact if you have to move an entire district. But with the exception of that one instance that we have to do, I think that overall, process should ensure that we maintain the core of the current districts and then also ensure that they're compact, contiguous, and that they do not have a lot of population deviation, which means that you maintain one person, one vote under the Constitution. So that's Got what it. fair redistricting looks like to me. So, 
So something that we know so far in the process is the committee has two maps. Um, one was presented by Senator Justin Wayne from Omaha, and one was presented by Senator Luann Linehan, who is from Fremont. No, not from Fremont. She's from Grand Elkhorn. Elkhorn. Ah, I always get the, the West Omaha kind of, we're all kind of mixed up sometimes. Where did those maps come from? Who made those maps? Do you know? I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, I, I literally don't know. Nobody's told me. I, I have a few guesses. For both of the maps? And you're on the committee. Well, so I know where, I know where our map came from. I mean, in terms of our map, which is commonly known as the Wayne map, which was really um, Senator Wayne and myself and some other members of the committee working together. I mean, that, that came from, quite frankly, just looking at population um, differences and, and then maintaining, again, the core of the current districts and communities of interest. We worked really hard with the exception of Senator Hughes's district, which lost, I think it was the second largest population loss. With the, with the exception of Senator Hughes's district, that was the only district that we moved substantially. The other districts, we, we worked really hard to maintain the core and uh, make sure that they're compact and contiguous. In addition, the Lancaster County maps um, were really, the ones that we introduced anyway, were worked on for about two or three months with Republicans and Democrats, um, and then finalized once we got the actual final data and then put into the map. So that was a really collaborative process. And I should step back by saying, quite frankly, I don't think I should be involved with any of this. I don't think any of my colleagues should be involved with this. I strongly supported a nonpartisan districting commission that um, would not have elected officials involved or people in the political parties. And so I just want to step back for a second and say, that's how we came up with our maps. But I also don't think that I should be involved with this. I don't think that anybody should be that's elected. But mm -hmm. in any case, I'm going on that's, a rant now. Well, yeah. that's what our League of Women Voters um, interview yesterday brought up, that a lot of states have moved to those type of committees instead, and that they were trying to get that through in Nebraska, but were unsuccessful. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I've always thought that we should have independent, nonpartisan redistricting commissions. You shouldn't put the foxes in charge of the hen house. That being said, I also knew that if we weren't able to achieve that last year, which we weren't because of the pandemic and some other challenges with collecting signatures, that I also felt that it was imperative that I be a part of the process. Um, and so I'm kind of the reluctant redistrictor um, in the sense that I don't think I should be doing it, but somebody has to do it. And I also just find this entire process miserable. And so it's literally the worst thing that I've had to do in the legislature in my last seven years. But I also think it's the most important thing um, that I'll have to do in my last seven years and my entire eight years down there. And so there's a lot of mixed feelings. Well, something that I really want to help people come to an understanding on is what people should be involved. The second house should be involved. I think there are plenty of people who want the second house involved. There are many senators who do, probably some who don't, but what are effective ways for people to advocate for fair maps? 
and advocate for in competitive elections and advocate for district lines that make sense for our state and don't stack elections predetermined before the first vote is ever cast in any race. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the first thing that you have to insist upon is that we have competitive elections where voters get to decide and there's a balancing of ideas and political philosophy. Now, in some districts in the state, in some areas of the state, it's very homogeneous. And listen, I mean, you're just, you're either like, if you look at like downtown Omaha, there's not a lot of opportunity for um, political diversity, right? Same thing if you're looking out at Panhandle in Nebraska, right? But there are plenty areas of this state, um, Lincoln, Omaha, Grand Island, um, Fremont, um, I'm probably missing a few others, South Sioux City, you know, I mean, whatever the case may be, where there is plenty of diversity of opinion and thought. And those are places that should be competitive legislative districts, whether you're looking at the downtown Lincoln area, North East Lincoln, Northwest Lincoln. Those are areas where we should demand maps that are not focused on partisan gain, but rather diversity of political thought and ideology. And we can achieve those things and we can have competitive districts and they can be contiguous and compact. And so that's the, I think that that's the thing that we should all be demanding. In terms of the most effective advocacy strategy, I think that it's important to remember that this determines the rules of the game, whether we like it or not. And this is the most important thing that the legislature does every 10 years. And so I think constituents should rightfully say, hey, listen, I contact you on X, Y, and Z issue. This issue is a deal breaker. If you don't vote for fair, nonpartisan maps, then I'm not going to be supporting you for anything else moving forward. It's just a deal breaker. I mean, like, that's it. Like, I can maybe forgive you on this vote or that vote. I let you know my opinion. We can agree to disagree. But when it comes to fair, nonpartisan maps, there's no agreeing to disagree. You need to make sure that you're supporting fair and nonpartisan maps that follow the guidelines in LR134. That's how I would do it. Are there maps released for the other races that are part of redistricting? So I think we've mm-hmm. seen legislative maps and congressional maps. Are there other maps for PSC, Board of yeah. Regents? School board, I mean, State Board of Ed. Are they not on State the website? Yeah, there should be, is, is my answer to your question. Um, they, they weren't incredibly easy to find, strange enough. Um, yeah, but um, the website's a little cyclical. Is it under... It's under the, the redistricting special session. It's all the way down at the bottom, and it has a weird name to it. Hold on, let me I get it. I really don't know where to go. <laughs> Will you put the link in the show notes, Stephanie? Yeah. We need to work on the website. I've been... Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. uh, to no avail um, whatsoever. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think this is my biggest worry about redistricting is that it feels very cloak and dagger and secret. Like nobody can find the maps. You know, like yeah. that's well, that's a problem. You have to go to the main page and then committees and then special and select committees and then you have to scroll down to redistricting. And then you have to go to a special new website. Wow. And then you have and then it's called well, and then it's the called pro- it's called proposed base plans. It doesn't even have the word map in it. 
or redistricting. Oh. Anyway, yeah, this right. is kind of like a comedy of errors here. This is yeah. I'm still looking what? for it. Well, and to <laughs> Melanie's point, right? Even if even if it's not meant to be cloak and dagger, like perception is reality to a certain point, right? People are gonna say we couldn't find it anywhere. We were trying, and that is something. Uh, it should just be here. I found it three minutes later. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, how is the census um, working in the redistricting process? Well, how are people using yeah. the census data? Or well, I mean, there's some people that are trying to discredit the census data to create an excuse not to like lose a, you know, quite frankly, a rural seat. And so, I mean, that's problematic because if we don't have like a baseline of facts, um, which we're operating out of, we can't actually create maps that are constitutional and... Well, yeah. remind me if I'm correct on this, is that when it came to the census, the state legislature, primarily led by rural senators, decided not to have a government committee to make sure that the Nebraska census was carried out, by, you know, in partnership with the state government. Yeah, I mean, Am so... Am I that correctly? And so well, now I think, they're saying, I think the governor... government involved, now it wasn't, but we don't believe the data because reasons... I mean, it's just like a circle of like, we we wanted the government to work in a way that we could point to later and say, because it didn't work this way, because that's how we wanted it. Now we are not going to trust the government. Like, is that kind of their argument? Well, I mean, the governor, the governor vetoed, um, I, as I recall, the governor vetoed the legislation that made it so that we would have a statewide complete count committee mm-hmm. that essentially coordinated with local governments and other agencies to ensure that we had an accurate and complete count. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, yeah, it is a circular argument. It's like, on one hand, we're going to make it tougher to have a complete count. But then on the other hand, the governor's allies and other folks say, well, I mean, geez, we can't trust the data. It might be skewed. And it's kind of like, well, I mean. I mean, that is why yeah. the census is so important. Yeah, and now there are the numbers that we have, and that's going to determine the federal numbers. It's going to determine, and it should influence redistricting. And if we undercounted, that's our bad as a state, and we're just going to have to suck it up. And next time, let's count more thoroughly. Yeah, and I mean the other thing too is, is like, I mean, Nebraska had, I think, one of the top five response rates in the country. Mm -hmm. So, like, if Nebraska is not right, then. You know, I mean, I think there's a lot of other states that should be a lot more concerned. And so it's really just hearing and and just an excuse to essentially undermine the process so that when tough decisions have to be made, people can, you know, sleep at night and say, well, you never know. Golly gee, Mm -hmm. chucks. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Not surprising. Ridiculous. Yeah. No. So Um, how long does the redistricting session last? How many days do we have? Oh, probably like 14 too many here. Um, let me check. <laughs> um, it technically ends on Friday the 24th. Um, and that's assuming that we give a few days for a veto override. So, Is that likely a veto override? I have so many questions. Okay, so I'm going st- <laughs> to start with, I, we're having three days of public comment and then Friday debate starts? Um, yes. So the maps have only been out for a week, kind of, before the debate starts? Yes. 
And meanwhile, the the committee is listening to public comment, which is important. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, in those three days, the committee is supposed to be listening to public comment and making negotiations with colleagues and and other senators to improve the maps. I mean, I mean, it's will the committee provide general guidance to the body, the legislative body? Just going to present both maps and say, "Let's fight it out, guys." That's the more likely option. Um, my next question is, what what happens if you guys can't agree? That's not really an option, uh, okay? Because there's just no precedent for it. In some states, they say, "Well, the courts decide" or something like that. But we don't have any provision like that, and mm-hmm. so if we don't redistrict the maps that are currently in place will not pass muster for constitutional scrutiny and will be malapportioned. And so any election that is carried out underneath them could be challenged. Okay. Um, all right. So I have a big question for you. What, what can we do? What, like, I know I'm going to show up on Wednesday, but what else can I do? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, you know, what you can do is one, um, show up on Wednesday, but then two, I mean, contact other state senators and say, listen, you know, we need to have maps that are fair, uh, maps that are widely accepted by both moderates and progressives, which mm-hmm. are, are the, the Wayne maps. I mean, I can't tell you how many conservative and moderate senators have come up to me and gone, I really like those maps a lot better, which is a sign to everybody that the Wayne maps truly are maps that we worked hard on to just be thoughtful and not partisan. I mean, and that's the truth. The maps, if you try to, if you work, I mean, here's the thing. If you work to maintain the core of current districts and make them compact and contiguous, you can't get much further off the Wayne maps. You just can't. I mean, you just can't. They kind of draw themselves at that. You have to remove one district because of population. It's only fair. And then once you remove that district, the growth is in, you know, essentially northwestern Sarpy County, eastern, or excuse me, western Douglas County. You got to put it somewhere in there. You just got to. That's where the population, that's where the massive population grows. There's been a little bit in Lancaster County for sure, but not the same as western Sarpy and Douglas. So you put the map there. And then if you, again, if you, maintain the core of the districts and you make them compact and contiguous, the maps create themselves. And that's what the Wayne maps. Yeah. I mean, to answer your question, Stephanie, tell people to support the Wayne map. It's one that is supported by bipartisan folks in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anybody's come out publicly, but it's the truth. And, you know, don't do what they're trying to do with Congress. <laughs> like, I mean, that is... And- so blatantly gerrymandered. Can can I can I say that if you yeah. help write those maps, you literally redistricted me right out of your district. You're my senator, and you just I know, put me sorry. right out. We we had to create a little bit more population in Senator Senator Hansen's district. So mm-hmm. um, me, but, um, yeah. I have a question. Uh, so is it just? I mean, is it just down to these two maps, or is there a path where? you know, something comes together and there's a third or other options? I don't... I think... I don't know. I don't think it just comes down to two maps. I think there will be a compromise map. And whether that is... I'll be honest with you. The Linehan map has upset so many people um, on both sides of the political spectrum. I I have a hard time understanding how that map 
is reconcilable, right? Um, if you'll watch Linehan and Wayne, they both dropped what we call shell bills, which are basically bills that are waiting in the wings that could be, you know, like a compromise type of amendment bill. Whether that's Linehan's bill or Wayne's bill that gets um, utilized um, remains to be seen. And so, um, so to answer your question, April, yes. Um, I, I think that there could be a compromise bill down the road, but I don't think it's a binary option in either order. That, that makes sense. My only fear, and I don't, I'm not asking you to say this, this is my fear. Yeah. <laughs> my fear is that they come up with this wackadoodle map so then when they compromise, they don't have to go very far. Do you know what I'm saying? That's my yeah. fear, and I'm hoping you guys can avoid that. Good luck. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. We I don't, go for it. Oh, we were told by the League of Women Voters that they submitted maps and the public was able to submit maps um, maybe over the summer. Do you, did those maps, um, did that map get considered? And do you know if other organizations or people submitted maps? Yeah, so I mean, I I know that the league did, and I looked at those maps, and I I, I considered some of their ideas. Um, it was long hours in the map making room, so I can't remember exactly which aspects we considered and which ones we didn't. But but yeah, I mean, I considered those things. It's it's tough though. I mean, like there's just a lot of considerations, and I mean that's why I don't think that it should be a process that should be ran by the elected officials themselves. There's just, there's too many interests and those interests are undeniable. I mean, the thing that you have to realize is like, I always thought this process would be the most political process that we ever engaged in. What I didn't anticipate is that how personal it was because senators who have knocked their district, knocked their doors, know their people really intimately and really well their district is very personal to them. And so you make any changes to it, even if it's a neighborhood or something like that, it elicits really strong emotions. And so that's the problem is one, it's very hyper-political for a lot of people, but then it's also hyper-personal. And that generally leads to bad decision-making. Well, and with term limits, every Senator who wants to stay involved in politics in one way or the other, is likely looking at their next move. And these maps will determine in part their viability when they are termed out in the different, you know, based on their own personal address. So that couldn't yeah. be more personal for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, anybody up for reelection at some point takes it way more personal than somebody like me who's terminal. You know, I have a personal affinity for my district. There's certain core areas I want to keep in. There's certain areas that I um, had to give up. You know, I wasn't happy about giving up some of my neighborhoods like Stephanie's. I wasn't enthusiastic about, even though I knew I was giving it to a great person like Patty Panting Brooks, I wasn't enthusiastic about giving up the Peace Street Corridor either. But I also knew that there had to be upward momentum in, in the core of Lancaster County. And there also had to be downward. And so that just led to certain things having to be done, you know? And so it's tough not to take it personal because you know those people, they supported you. They are passionate about certain things, you know? Um, I have one more question. I think we've 
have to let you go soon. Yeah, I've got to go in just a minute or two. I okay. saw a few things tonight. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Coulterman's bill to add an additional state senator to the mix. Well, Coulterman's a good friend of mine. Um, just got done having dinner with them, but I don't support that that bill. Um, one, I I think that it puts too much power in the executive. The reason why they have 49 senators instead of 50 is so that there's not a tie-breaking vote by the um, governor, lieutenant governor. So one, I, I think it's a, a good check and balance on particularly an increasingly powerful executive, um, for better or for worse. Um, and then two, um, I don't think it's the solution to increase the, I just feel like it's an in run around, mm-hmm. you know, um, the representation question and making sure that representation is uh, equal and proportional. So I, I would like to see 53 senators or, you know, just to make those districts smaller. But I think that would be more a better debate than just going to an even number. For sure. Well, we would we would have to change the Constitution because the Constitution only allows up to 50. Mm-hmm. And it says I have that some only, input on that. If we're, yeah. if we're opening that up, I have some input. <laughs> I bet you do. Well, and the other, the other thing, and this is just a nerdy lawyer thing, is that I think it exceeds the call um, to the special session. It was specifically for redistricting, mm-hmm. and one could argue increasing or decreasing the number of senators is related to redistricting, but um, I think that there's yeah. institutional issues there, too. So. I would agree. Anyway. Okay, yeah, last thing. So is there a book you would recommend? A book? Is there a book you would recommend that you've been reading? Oh, about redistricting? Or just a no, no, just anything. Anything. Oh my gosh. Maybe marriage. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no marriage books. Um, you know, it's been such a busy year. I haven't been able to read. <laughs> I, I, I'm looking over here and I've got the National Geographic and I've got the ACLU uh, magazine. So there you go. Read those two <laughs> things. That's what I've been reading lately. So <laughs> anyway. You've been reading a lot of awesome. them. Thank, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Senator Markle. Yep, Thank make sure you. you contact your state senator, get involved, have a few other family members contact them. Oh, wow. You've got a cycler in the background. I That's do. A <laughs> <laughs> six-year-old cycler. I love it. Okay. Thank you. you. Thank you. you. Thank you so Bye. much for all you do. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to Seeing Red Nebraska, Politics from the Left. Seeing Red is a group blog edited by citizen volunteers and entirely devoted to Nebraska politics. You can support us on Patreon with a $5, $10, or $20 a month donation. Be sure to check us out at seeingrednebraska.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at seeingredne or contact us via email at seeingredne at protonmail.com.